pick up here with Psalm chapter Psalm 139, verse 13 to 24. And the, the amount of incredible amount of verses that are there to defend God's, God's viewpoint, or not God's viewpoint, but His dominion mandate on the preservation of life is incredible all throughout Scripture. All the verses that pertain to anything to do with life is all upward. It's all an encouragement that the Lord wants the preservation of life. And so we see here as King David, he steps up. This is a, to the chief musician. It's a psalm of David. Verse 13, David says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. It doesn't say thou hast covered me when I came out of my mother's womb. It says thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Look how he goes from talking about birth into bloody men. Teresa. We're in Psalm 139. We're in verses 13 to 24. So we see in verse 16... David transfers into talking about the birth of a child into bloody men. We are seeing bloody men today, aren't we? And so we see here, he says in verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that arise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. In a little bit, we're going to look at another verse from King David that he brings together. And if you are willing to read this verse and study it, you will find out that David makes it very, very clear when life starts in the womb. It's a very subtle verse, but you have to understand the brilliance and the interpretation, the inspiration of God for us to study. We can get an answer, and we can get answers and replies to those that are out there that are saying that abortion should be legal, that it should be the standard. So here, I want to pick up where we left off last week. We have now been two weeks into this subject for Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Um, I don't know when we're going to stop, but I do. I hope I can find, there's a paper that I brought. I hope I can find it. Let's see. Um, I, have, I, have, I have my notes, but there were some quotes that I had had that I wanted to read. Here they are right here. I knew I didn't forget them. But before I start going into the notes, I'm going to read you some quotes that are out there, and I want some discussion before we get into this. 
This is for all of us to discuss together. I mean, you're teaching me, I'm teaching you, hopefully we're all learning together, and it's something I think that's a great way to, to, to encourage ourselves. I think that this will stimulate our, our neurotransmitters a little bit and get us thinking. I want you to be thinking as I'm reading this, what have you heard in the past week or the past two weeks? If you mentioned it last week, that's fine, mention it again. But what have you heard regarding this whole Roe versus Wade thing? Let me read some of these quotes first and we'll get to it. We're not going back. We are not returning to the days of backroom abortions when countless women died or remained. The decision about abortion must remain a decision for the women, her family, and a physician to make, not the government. Bernie Sanders. That just came out a couple days ago. So basically he's saying, we're going to still abort the babies. We're just not going to do it in, in with you know, rusty saws, but we're still going to do it. We're going we're to maim that baby to nothing, but we're just going to do it a little more, uh, a little more humanely. Uh, can you believe this? Sure. Right. They want that. As they want the government control over everything else that we do. Right. But it's convenient for them if they don't want it. It's always just Yeah. It's all objectively. Basically, they want you to shut your church down and take a vaccine, and they want the federal government to preside over that. Exactly. Don't tell a woman what to do. That's exactly right. right. Don't tell her what to do. That's right. Listen to this one. Human rights are not a privilege conferred by government. They are every human being's entitlement by virtue of his humanity. You have to think about that a minute. You won't even believe who made this statement. By virtue of his humanity. That means by the existence of your very humanity, you have the right to make the decision regarding abortion, whatever you want to do. That was given by Mother Teresa. That was her statement. It's not predicated on God's law. It's the ultimate decision is by virtue of humanity. The emphasis, it won't be too hard to understand who made this one. The emphasis must not be on the right to abortion, but on the right to privacy and reproductive control. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Here's a good one. <laughs> say that very sarcastic. There's not any good in this man. When I was president, I announced that I still maintain that I can live with Roe versus Wade. I did everything I possibly could as president under that ruling, which I don't think ought to be changed to minimize the need for abortions. I think every abortion is a result of a horrible series of errors on that part of people involved. Jimmy Carter. We're going to discuss something that I've seen that I think is a real problem. Let's get through this couple more. We're always going to argue about abortion. It's a hard choice and it's controversial. You know, Satan loves controversy. It's not controversial. It's murder. It's that simple. And that's why I'm pro-choice, because I want people to make their own choices. Oh, she does. Hillary Clinton, she wants people to make their own choices. Well, people made the choice that they didn't want her for president, and that wasn't good enough for her. We will never see a day when women of means are not able to get a safe abortion in this country. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Here's, this, this one was a little staggering to me. This is the last one. Abortion's a private decision, but I just think it shouldn't be federalized. Pat Robertson. 
Abortion's a private decision? No, it's not. This is one of an endless amount of, of, of comments that are out there. And where this has become a controversial issue is that none of these people have the courage to come out and literally talk about the physical nature of what actually happens in an abortion. They don't want to go that far. They just want to say, we want it to be a reproductive health care right. It's not reproductive, it's not at all health care, but they want it to be a pro-choice right for a woman to do whatever. What if the woman decides that she wants to go out to banks and she wants to go shoot the security guards in the head to get money? Can she say, well, that was my choice. That was my choice to do that. And she can have a platform and go into Congress. I'll bet you it won't be too long before that's allowed. So anyway, they can have the choice to do the murder and come away and say, it's because it's our choice. Lisa. Right. If It's not. I ran into some writings and some uh, quotes from Abby Johnson. Does anybody remember who Abby Johnson is? Yeah. Who is she? Remember that? Remember the movie that came out unplanned? Did you, did you all see that movie? That was a riveting movie. Yeah. Abby Johnson has several quotes, and I, was, I, I wanted to get to that later, not today, but we're going to get to that later, hopefully, Lord willing. But Abby Johnson, I was reading her quotes. Today I wanted to write the quotes of the things that are happening in the last... This pertained to the last couple of weeks. Abby Johnson's quotes, 90% of them say, and she worked for Planned Parenthood, said, I highly advise young women to never get an abortion. She said most of the abortion facilities, before they even touch the body with any of the instruments, they're dirty and they're filthy. They have infections. They have not been properly sterilized. And that alone can cause awful, awful repercussions health-wise. That's what she says before they even get into the abortion. And once they get into the abortion, then she starts talking about what she saw and what they do. And a lot of women wound up sterile. They wound up maimed internally. They wound up having all kinds of side effects, after effects, emotional. That's just the beginning. Lisa. Right. Right. I think probably, I mean, I haven't made, I mean, I, I'd like to make a comparison. I, I can't because I don't have all the statistics in front of me, but I'm sure if you compared abortion to heart surgery 
That's close to 30%. The percentage rate is like between 27 and 30% of, of, of not just deaths for the baby, but deaths for the women. Right. Okay. It's just sort of like, you know, with all the vaccines and everything. Why do we keep it, why would we keep promoting that? You know, people are dying left and right. Why why are they promoting it? If if there's only one reason and that somebody's making money off of it. Right. Right. Well, that's what they're taught. Teresa. Right. Going on with Lisa says, and, and, and what's going on here, I, that, that's a great point because I remember following, following the litigation with the George Tiller, Tiller the killer, his reign of terror, having abortions on 13-year-olds that they remained and the parents tried to go after them. The judges wouldn't do anything. I can't even sit there and say by a legislative standpoint exactly what the bottom line was, but all I can say is when they were presenting the cases, the judges weren't doing anything. They wouldn't do anything. It's kind of like this election. Every, every case that Trump has presented to show that there's been a breach in the election process, the judges have completely shut it down. They won't do anything. They won't follow legislation. That's why you can see America has gone from a republic to a democracy, because when mob rule gets involved, then it becomes the masses make the final decision. Don't you see that in Christianity and what our beliefs are now? Why couldn't the churches stand up two years ago and say, no, we're not going to close our doors. You have no right to tell us that. We will make the decisions in our session whether we should keep our churches open or not, or whether we should wear masks, or whether we should... If we feel it's right, we will make that decision as a church. And I have no problem with that. But you cannot make a federal mandate... You can't make a federal mandate to come inside of churches and tell them what to do. That's the problem. Lisey. Right. Yeah. She saw it. She saw what happened to a baby on a screen. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking. I just mean, you know, how was she validating her condition there for so many years? Because it was finally she she pulled away from it. But as a professing believer, that's pretty scary. What validated her position working there? Yeah. <laughs> because she believed in it. That's crazy. But as a, I now understand that, but I'm saying, huh? Right. But it just goes to show what kind of privilege was she yeah. Yeah. Right. After the fact, basically, she said she had said that basically she had believed what I had read and what I had seen in the movie that the inference was population control was extremely important. 
that there are too many unwanted pregnancies. That's the other big issue that's come up this last week. Lisa, you got your hand up again? Right. Well, where it popped up in the movie is when she was talking to that director, and the director was reminding her where she came from. That's where it all kind of popped up, but that's basically what happened. Good. Right. Right. Exodus. That's right. And and you know that's basically when it when she went into the management position of all that, it all kind of came out there where it came from. And then she totally turned when she saw a little baby squirming in anguish, and that baby was not real. Right. Can someone read Exodus chapter twenty-one verses twenty-two to twenty-five? I have a fantastic commentary here, and I have a couple extra ones too to go over what we've been talking about that we've seen in the last couple of weeks especially. Whoever has that, read it. Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. Has the, do you believe that the uh, word abortion has popped up before the era of the abortion age here in America? Has that word actually been used in the past? Have you heard of any comments maybe back in the 19th century or the 18th century or going all the way back to the 1st century? See, a lot of people say that abortion basically is a new thing. I've heard that. If you haven't heard it, I've read it. I've heard abortion basically is a new wave of population control, it's a way of protecting the mother, it's a way of not having unwanted pregnancies. But the word abortion has been popping up for centuries. Listen to this quote from John Calvin. On the, he was, this is his actual quote on exactly what Jacob just read, specifically from Exodus 22, 21 to, 20, or 20, 22 to 25. He wasn't common. This was not an opinion. This was an exact commentary on that very, those verses he just read. He says, The fetus, though enclosed in the womb of its mother, is already a human being, and it is almost a monstrous crime to rob it of life which it has not yet begun to enjoy. If it seems horrible to kill a man in his own house than in a field, because a man's house is his place of most secure refuge, it ought surely it ought surely to be deemed more atrocious to destroy a fetus in the womb before it has come to light. That's Calvin's commentaries. We're on those very verses. Lisa, you had your hand up again. I'm sorry.
Right. Right. So, I mean, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't land me for a woman. Not only physically, potentially harming her body, her own body, she's killing another body, and then on top of that, getting mental anguish on top of it. Right. Okay, so then it goes on, and I guess it's really um, something that women can do up to 10 years, but it's sort of, uh, I can't remember what it said exactly, but the, um, Right. And I guess they can try to, I guess they can try to sue, but something about the, if they sign it. Well, Tiller had contracts. He has absolutely no obligation to them if anything happens. So he could basically do what he wanted. Yeah, so you can kind right. of file a claim, but I don't know that you get, you know, full right. sentence if you sign a contract or a consent or whatever. It has, it's kind of complicated that way, it, it sounds like, from what I'm reading. Right. Well, getting back to abortion, has anybody ever heard of the Didache. Has anybody ever heard of that? As Christians, we should know this. The Didache. You ever heard of the, 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 the mixture? Yep, the Didache. This was written in the first century. The Didache is basically the apostolic, it's almost in a sense, the first canonical confession of faith by the Apostolic Commission. It was written back in the first century. Look what it has to say. The Jews did not sanction abortion. Likewise, the early Christian community was unambiguous on the question. The earliest explicit inferences to abortion in Christian literature are found in the Didache and the Epistle of Barnabas. The Didache was a manual of church discipline and a code book for Christian morality. It was called a summary of the teaching of the apostles. It probably was written at the beginning of the second century. Basically, it was the second century was actually said to be written between 50 A.D. and 120 A.D. There was like different uh, forms of it. It probably, okay, the Didache contrasts two ways of styles of living. One is called the way of life and the other is called the way of death. In the second commandment of the teaching, we read this exhortation, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not corrupt boys, do not fornicate, do not steal, do not practice magic, do not go in for sorcery, do not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. There's the word abortion in the very first century in the Didache. You should read about that. That's incredible. This is a basically, we, we go, our, our, our uh, constitution of this church is what? No. Westminster Confession of Faith. That's it. The confession. This is like a confession before a confession. And it was also used by the Catholic Church for years. It was actually used. You know, the Catholic Church did a few good things. I don't want to give, give, give too much there, but this was part of their initial constitution. This followed in the evangelical churches. Do not abort a baby under any circumstances. But here's where we've gotten. Is it a baby? Is it a baby? Is that little tiny thing inside of the mother's womb, is it anything more than a bunch of protoplasm or primordial slime? Is it? Oh, yeah, yo, sweet and sit here and nod our heads. Yeah, we all believe it. Of course we believe it. 
Go outside of the doors and you won't find too many people now that do believe that. Well, a couple more thoughts here. The Christian church has always said abortion brings divine judgment. It's amazing that one of the two primary, primary political parties presents abortion as part of its platform and uses it to actually obtain votes. And sadly, now the Republican Party is really playing the fence on this one. It's, it, it's disgusting. I don't know what's worse. The Lord says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but whether you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Let's, answer, let's, let's look at this. Is a fetus a human being? Here's a couple of notes here. What is a fetus? The question is objective, not subjective. To determine the status of a fetus is not a matter of personal arbitrary caprice. The fetus is either alive or it's not alive. Can we at least answer that question? Is it alive or is it not alive? Or what if the fetus inside of a body... <laughs> I have to go, hate to have to go here, but this will bring out the essence of this argument. What happens when a mother is carrying a baby and the baby dies? What happens? She can die too, can't she? Right? What happens in a case of a miscarriage? Something has to be done normally. Now, some, in some cases of miscarriages, the woman is able to expel uh, naturally the body of the fetus, but it's still a very difficult process. Go ahead, Lisa. I'm sorry. Yeah. I yes. Right. I've never heard a woman say, I felt really good after that miscarriage. I really didn't want that baby anyway. I've never heard that. So naturally speaking, it would only stand the reason if a woman has an abortion, she's going to think about that. She's going to think about it. It's not going to be on an upward feeling. It's not going to be glee and, wow, I'm so glad I'm free of this. Oh, no. She might posture that because she's standing in front of Congress and she has to please Nancy Pelosi, but in her heart, it's going to be the same reaction. And, and the, Lord, the Lord has shown us what His view, what His absolute dominion mandate is on preserving life. And is the fetus alive or dead in the body? There's no in-between. Is that fetus actually thriving inside of the womb? If it is, that is a human being. If it's not, the woman goes through sorrow and she has to sometimes even have these difficult surgical, DNC surgical methods in order to be able to fix the problem where she can die too. That's how potent this is. And that's how important this is. When does life begin? At what point in the continuum of human development do we have a living human person? Does life begin at conception? Does it begin at birth? Or does it begin at some point between these poles of progress, such as at quickening or viability? The answer a person chooses to this question often determines his or her position on the abortion issue. Pro-abortion activists come to radically different conclusions than those of pro-life activists. And I think that's very important because that is the foundational principles of where pro-abortion came from. Is it a baby or is it not? Is it real or is it not? That, that's what the real question is. And many of these great 
academicians, they call themselves, don't believe that it's a baby. The abortion issue is divisive and intertwined with other important cultural phenomena, including the women's movement and the sexual revolution. This is the core question of the abortion issue. Is abortion a form of murder? These are some questions we need to consider. Many pro-abortion, pro-choice activists do not believe abortion is murder because they do not consider an unborn baby to be a living human person. Is a fetus a living person? When does life begin? These are very important questions. Here's something very interesting. Has anyone ever heard of the Oath of Hippocrates? You ever heard of that? The Hippocratic Oath? Its origin is Greek, of course. Plato believed that there should be population control, that there should be abortions. There's quotes from Plato. He believed in it. But here's part of the Hippocratic Oath. I swear by Apollo, physician, and Asclepius, by health, by Panacea, and by all the gods and the goddesses making them, my witness that I will carry out according to my ability and judgment this oath and this indenture. I will use treatment to help the sick according to my ability and judgment, but never with a view to injury and wrongdoing. Back to Abby Johnson, never a surgery to perform, and if there's any possible of injury, a certain a certainty of injury, I will never in the Hippocratic I will never perform uh, a procedure that can definitely hurt someone. I will use treatment to help the sick according to my ability and judgment, but never with a view to injury and wrongdoing. Neither while I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so. Boy, we could use that one today. Nor will I suggest such a course. Similarly, similarly, I will not give to a woman a pessary to cause abortion. That's in the Hippocratic Oath. I will not cause an abortion. I will not do it. That's what all doctors should be saying. I won't do it. I don't care what you say, Barack Obama. I'm not doing it. Right? Right. They have themselves covered. That's what the real problem is. Many people do not consider fetuses to be people at all, or at least they are not sure whether fetuses are people. The unborn remain anonymous, things that are discarded. Fetuses have no names. They have no personal biographies. They tend to be presented to the public mind as abstract entities. Uh, Dr. Sproul says, I have heard fetuses described in abortion debates as undifferentiated blobs of protoplasm, biological parasites, and so much domestic sewage. Whenever a crisis occurs, our first concern is for the people involved. This is very interesting. Let me read you about. Let me read you this regarding self-preservation, and I'd like to just use these words um, and read them to you. They're better than anything I can come up with. The natural law of self-preservation is seen not only in human reproduction but also in the struggle among humans to survive illnesses, accidents, and other perils. 
A vivid example of this effort was seen in the energy exerted to save the life of a little girl named Jessica who fell into a well in Texas. Remember that? Remember that was a big thing. It was all national news. For days, Americans monitored the television bulletins for news of the child's fate. No expense was spared, no effort deemed too great to save Jessica's life. Her rescue was not just extraordinary altruism, but a sign of the deep-rooted commitment within humanity to spare no effort to save a human life, especially when the life of that was a child. Whenever a crisis occurs, our first concern is for the people involved. What happened? Is everyone all right? Was anyone hurt? Did Did help arrive in time? Is there anything we can do? It doesn't really matter whether it was a natural disaster or a terrorist attack. It isn't particularly important whether it was an accident or a crime. It makes no real difference whether it was a national calamity or a personal tragedy. Our first thought is always of the people. People are precious. Their lives are inestimable value. They are gifts. They must never be taken for granted. Things can be replaced, but there is no replacement for a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, or a neighbor. And this brings the bottom line. That little fetus is a real human being and a potential human being. Potential in that that little fetus will grow and grow and grow and it needs to be preserved. And that little child, when we talked about on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, the Lacey Peterson trial with Scott Peterson who murdered his wife, they literally put a name on that child, didn't they? And that baby was only, what, three months old? three or four months old, Colin. I'll never forget the name. She was close? Okay, yeah, but they, before the baby was born, the name Colin was given to that little baby. And in, as we also spoke this last Wednesday night, the statement that came out, maybe you can bring up some statements you've heard this week, I've heard several. Joe Biden said, he said very plainly, every woman should be able to abort a child. He made the mistake of saying the word child. A child. He just said, he just openly said in front of the whole country, every woman has the right to murder a human being and he gets to stay in the White House. No, I can't even begin to fathom that. What other statements have you heard? What, what things have you heard or seen you would like to discuss? Anything the last couple weeks? Matt here, this is a really hot topic right now. Anything? Dave had a good one last week talking about that pastor in Georgia Pro-choice pastor, that's interesting enough. Pro-choice pastor. Yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Hmm. seven months pregnant. That's incredible. So that's a real human being then. Just want to make sure of that. Two primary political parties. The Lord knows all what's happening. He has all the books covered. Why would anyone allow this atrocity, this horror, this godless procedure? Freedom. Women say they have the right to choose right over their own body. It is not her body. It is God. It's God that created it. He created it fearfully and wonderfully not to be destroyed or to destroy that which is created within her. I wonder, um, someone look up 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 and give me a minute. I'd like to make a comment regarding the birthright of Belair. 
Consistent, I like to see consistency. I think we can really learn from consistency when history repeats itself. When I speak to Stephanie Alpha, Lisi uh, has spoken, Lisa has spoken to her, we've talked to her, we've all met her at the church here. One of the absolute consistencies that she sees in the young girls coming into, into the uh, birthright of Belair is the question is, Why? Why is this your decision to go and to abort the baby instead of preserving it? And basically the statement is consistent. This is what we've been taught. Where? They've been taught it in school. You've got teachers teaching young children that abortions are okay. Matthew. That's another reason they want to abort babies now. They, want, they call it a fossil fuel. Lisa. Right. Right. That's, that's, on the, that's three states right now. Maryland's one of them, sadly. Sadly to say that's, that's, on, the, that's on the Congress floor. Who has 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20? Anybody looked that up yet? Thank you. This is the answer. What happens when you meet somebody? I just talked to a young man this week who told me that his brother had his wife, his wife had an amniocentesis and he wanted, she didn't want to abort the baby, he wanted to abort the baby. And he was asking me, we were talking about the response of what he should be hearing. And he said, I went to my brother with my wife and I said, we will adopt her. And I think a fellow, this fellow that I grew up with, he used to believe in abortion. He used to say horrible things when we were younger. And now, all of a sudden, he's saying, we wanted to abort that baby. Why? All of a sudden, he now sees this right in his face. This is his nephew, and he wants to protect the life of that baby. And they did. They had the baby. When they, they wound up having the baby, thank the Lord. And that baby was healthy and never had one problem. The, this, this, uh, the, the, this test that they did said that the baby was going to ha- definitely have... It wasn't, it wasn't um, uh, um, the, the main one, multiple sclerosis, whatever. It was something else to do with the spine. baby was born perfectly. This is the response. 
This is what we are to do. All the problems are there. But as Christians, what do we do to fix this? That's why we're here. We are to be bringing... You see how the gospel of Jesus Christ is so wonderful? What would you do? What would your response be if you didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ? And how he loves children. How he loves me. Look at Pastor Britton. How many times have you been to, you helped with the abortion clinics up in Philadelphia? And how many times that you've reached out and the young people just have no idea? And, right. And he has the gospel to give them. Tracks. Sit down and pray with them. It's the first time in the world they'll ever see true love, emotional love, somebody holding their hand, crying with them and praying with them and wanting to work that through that. That's, what, that's why we support Birthright of Belair. Those verses, least you just read, look at these verses. He's what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? When does it start being the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? When does it start? At the age of accountability? No, it starts the very second. We're going to close. I don't want to, I don't want to stop until we look at what we, we talked about at the beginning of the class. Can someone read Psalm 51.5? Read that verse and let's look at that real quick. Psalm 51.5. When does life actually begin? Behold, I was shaken in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive. Right there. Where is the proof there that at conception the baby is, a, is true? A baby is real? A baby is human? Well, David attaches sin to the fetus at conception. He said, I was born in sin. And he said that as he was crying out, begging forgiveness in one of seven penitential psalms here in Psalm 51. I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. I am a sinner. And he said that I need a Savior. And then he goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And that's in that very, very same chapter. You see that? that those beautiful verses that are here are our response to how we can encourage and we can witness to those that are suffering from the lies of abortion. And we'll stop there today. Pastor Britton, could you close us this morning? Thank you, brother.